the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Live, it's Monday, December the 9th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Today, in 1854, Alfred Lord Tennyson, his famous poem was published, The Charge of the Light Brigade. It was a, uh, it's a poem about a an order that was given to the, the soldiers to charge, even though everybody knew it was going to be suicide, but they followed their leader and did so. And it became known as the Light Brigade. But that poem that sort of described that event was published today in 1854. Today in 1911, an explosion inside the Cross Mountain coal mine near Briceville, Tennessee, killed 84 people. Five were rescued. Today in 1935, the Downtown Athletic Club of New York honored college football player Jay Burwanger of the University of Chicago with a DAC trophy. Somebody didn't like the name of the DAC Trophy, so they changed it to the Heisman Trophy. If you follow sports, you hear a lot. You know a lot about the Heisman Trophy. Best uh, college football player gets that award every year. Today, in 1941, President Roosevelt told America, he said, my fellow Americans, we need to prepare for a long war. Today, in 1958, the John Birch Society was formed in Indianapolis. And today in 1965, A Charlie Brown Christmas was the first animated TV special featuring characters from the Peanuts comic strip, first broadcast on CBS today in 1965. That program still airs on ABC. In fact, I saw them advertising it the other day. And uh, it's just charming. It's just a part of our culture. And I think, well, I was going to say, I think there's probably no one in America that doesn't like Charlie Brown. I'm sure there is. But I don't know who they are or where they are, and I don't want to hear from them. Charlie Brown, a Charlie Brown Christmas, was birthed on television today in 1965. Today in 1975, President Gerald Ford, he signed a uh, $2.3 billion what they called a seasonal loan authorization. It was for New York City. Both the city and the state said they were going, the city was going to go bankrupt if the government didn't help them. So today, President Ford helped them, gave them some money, sustained them through some difficult times. Interesting, I noticed today The Hill put out a story this morning about an hour ago the Hill is a kind of a moderate um, news organization. They don't, they're not far left, but they're not like conservative either. Uh, and they're widely read. A lot of people read The Hill. But they put out a story a little while ago. I'm not going to get into it very deeply, but they were saying this must be very current because it was just published this morning. They said 2020, um, Democrat 2020 White House hopefuls Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg are in a statistical dead heat with President Trump among Arizona voters, according to a new poll. In a mock-up general election, Biden has 44% support compared to Trump's 46. 
Um, and Buttigieg has 43% compared to Trump's 45. Both of Trump's narrow two-point leads, they say, and that would be true if the poll is correct, against the Democrats are within the 3.9 percentage point margin of error. Arizona, what's the matter with you? You don't, you surely, I don't know if Joe Biden's going to make it to the end of this campaign, much less serve as president. I mean, honestly, he's struggling. I mean, I understand that old age slows some people down a little bit. I get that. But boy, he's stumbling all over himself. I don't know if he's going to make it. Do you want Pete Buttigieg and his husband in the White House? I don't know. I don't. I'll tell you that for sure. We get letters from Arizona. We hear from people there. Thank you. And I know not everybody in Arizona is for either one of those two Democrats. I can tell you that for sure. I read your notes. I read all of your notes. Every single one that we get. Somebody say, well, you probably only get two or three. No, we have a growing um, support base. And uh, yes, there is growing resistance against what we're doing here and what we're saying. And that's, you know, understood. And, and I suppose that will always be. But there's a growing support base. And thank you for being a part of that. If you are, I got this note just, uh, oh, a few days ago. It was, hand, it was given to me by our office. It says, Dear Pastor Gary, I'm so thankful I have a place to go where truth is being presented in a world where the where the enemy is working in the hearts of the people to accomplish his schemes and lies. If there was ever a time when prayers uh, prayer is needed, it's in these last days. God is faithful and God is in control. Yeah, thank you for saying that. We say that often on this program. And so often people will say, man, that helped me get through my day. You, you mentioned on your program this morning that God is in control. I knew that, but I needed to hear it. And I think that's true for many of us because the world is, is it's just really out of control, particularly our culture. I mean, there's wars and rumors of wars, and not to diminish that, it's very important. But internally, in our culture here in America today, we're just staggering like a, well, there used to be an old saying, it wouldn't be politically correct now, but that isn't really bothersome to me. But I used to hear people say a long time ago, he's, boy, he's, you know, he's staggering around like a drunken sailor on the deck of a ship or something to that effect. But we just seem to be so out of control here. And the culture is just just racing in all kinds of destructive uh, directions. And I think, I think that what we try to do here, and we're not the only ones doing this, I understand that, but we are doing it. What we try to do is focus from a biblical perspective. I have a bias. It's a biblical bias. And everything that we look at on this program and in my life, frankly, and in our family, we look at from a biblical perspective. You've got to do that or it will be these times are perilous times and it'll be overwhelming if you simply look at what's happening from a human point of view. It's frightening. It can cause one to lose sleep. I was talking to a Christian person, a very dedicated Christian, just, I don't know, Friday or maybe over the weekend. I think it was Friday. <clears throat> and um, she was saying, I, I, I can't take the news anymore. I just can't take it. I just cut it off. So I looked at social media or whatever to get a few headlines. 
And otherwise, I don't. I, I just can't deal with it. I understand that because that is normally what the, our response would be as a human beings looking at what's going on because nobody really can grasp the full depth and width of all of this stuff that's going on, particularly as this hearing continues in Washington, D.C. as we speak this morning. We cannot grab. We understand that there. It, it, it's a. It's scheming and it's 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 looking, trying to get control of the power base in America. I mean that's what it's really about. Who's going to control the power of the most powerful nation in history, and certainly today on the face of the earth, and that's what's really going on here. The author of the Schiff report this morning. They're carrying on there about the. Uh, Continuing their hearing on impeachment, they're closing in on the president, as they say. The author of the Schiff report wasn't at the House Judiciary Committee um, meeting this morning. He was, I guess, the re- at least the Republicans thought he was going to be there. Adam Schiff. So Doug Collins, he's a Republican from Georgia, he made that observation, put it on the record that he... He said, um, he said, I guess that's what you get when you're making up impeachment as you go. He said the guy making it up didn't show. And Schiff's absent spoke, I think, spoke volumes this morning, particularly since he's the guy who led the first round of impeachment inquiry hearings last month. He said everything they presented, he said, is rock solid. Well, all, really all it was was a lot of the emotions and feelings and people testifying as to what they felt what they observed as far as emotions, but there really weren't a lot of facts, according to the people who have studied this more deeply than I'm able to. I don't have the access they do, but for a point of emphasis, the Republicans set up a sign this morning. You probably, Well, you may not. I was going to say, you'll probably see it on television in the news. You probably won't. They probably won't put that in the news. They'll avoid that. But there's this great big sign sitting in the behind the Republicans in this hearing in in D.C. this morning, and it says, the sign says, I have a picture of it here, <clears throat> I'm looking at it, excuse me, where's Adam? <laughs> and, uh, uh, you can see it, it, it was very, it's very prominently featured by the uh, Republicans, but uh, this Representative Collins, he noted that the Intelligence Committee ranking member, Devin Nunes, and his, <clears throat> excuse me, that last Drink of coffee. I should not have done that just before I said good morning. I'll have to manage that better tomorrow. But, excuse me, I think I'm going to make it. But that coffee was really good. And I just had to have one more drink before we started talking this morning. But anyway, Collins, he noted that the Intelligence Committee, the ranking member, Devin Nunes and his staff, he said they managed to show up. Where is Mr. Schiff? He didn't show up. And uh, Collins went on to say, and it's all on the record, of course, he knew that. He went on to say, he said, I guess he can't back up his own report. And Representative Andy Biggs, he's a Republican from Arizona, he presented a point of order after Judiciary uh, Chairman Jerry Nadler, he opened the statement this morning to ask when the, when the chairman was going to uh, uh, schedule a minority hearing so they could ask Schiff and a few other relevant individuals some questions. And that didn't go over very well, but glad he asked it. And again, it puts it on the record. He said it's imperative that Chairman Schiff testify before the committee and entertain questions from duly elected members of Congress. 
He said at a minimum he should testify about his report, just as special counsel counsel Robert Mueller and independent counsel Ken Starr testified to this committee about their report. Well, you know, they are the Democrats are just making up the rules as they go along. But the problem that we have here in the country politically is that the press is so complicit with the far left. It's not I mean, it's a it's a very difficult situation. If the press was even if they even had a presumption of being balanced or fair, even Fox is drifting to the left. I've mentioned this before. I've, I watch Fox, but I'm very selective who I watch on there. I just don't want to wade through some of those people they have on there. Chris Wallace, he should be working at CNN, not Fox, as far as I'm concerned, because Fox has been a trusted um, conservative voice. I mean, they, they look at the news. They've been honest with the news. Brit Human, those guys, I don't always even agree with them on some of the things. But they're coming from an honest point of view, and yeah, they lean conservative, but they got Chris Wallace and this Shep Smith who quit the other day, got angry uh, at somebody, and he walked off, I guess. But these guys are way out there, and Chris Wallace is drifting to the left. And So when you watch Fox News, and I know many of you do because you mentioned it to me, just keep in mind that it's not the old Fox News. It has changed. The reliable people are on there for sure, and I watch them. I'm sure you do. I don't watch them all the time, but I, I stay in touch with what they're saying. But just be careful because they're not the Fox that we knew a few years ago. They have changed, the, the whole organization. The, some of the people, again, Hannity and some of those guys, they're great. They're on the money. I mean, they may you may disagree with them. I do from time to time. But they're coming from a conservative point of view. Well, I have a bias. And I'm coming from a biblical point of view, and I am a conservative. So that's where we come from on this program. And I, I appreciate the fact that many of you who support it recognize that, and you do support it, because there would be no place for my voice uh, on ACN or anywhere else if it weren't for you. Because I, I can tell you what we're doing here and what we're saying just isn't acceptable to some And so thank you so much for allowing us to do this. And we need your support. We do every month because, boy, we're a month away from just being silent every month. We don't have any reserves or anything like that. I mean, we're just we are what we are. We're doing what we do. And we have a growing audience for sure. So thank you for your support. We need it. If you are a new listener and you've been kind of following what we're doing and you think we (laughs) it's worthwhile Help us. Stand with us. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the reluctant impeachers and the hating impeachers. It seems like to me, I could be wrong, but it seems like to me that the Democrats kind of break out into two, two groups. There's one... They're reluctant, and I don't know if they're going to stand with Nancy Pelosi or not when they take a vote. I mean, we'll see. I don't know what's in their minds. I don't know any of them, or I don't I don't think I do uh, personally, but I follow what they say and where they're coming from, and so I kind of know them from that point of view, as you do if you pay attention. But it seems there's a couple of groups there, the reluctant ones, and then those that are so inflamed with hate, they don't even care what this may do to the country. And believe me, this will take 
a toll on our country. Because people around the world are looking at this and they're trying to figure out what's, I mean, what, where did this guy, what did this guy actually do? And he is about to be charged, I think, the president, with treason, which is probably the most rancorous charge that even the Constitution allows against a president. So, I mean, this may come up. I don't know if it will, but I think it will. I think they're going to tag that on. But they're just attaching all these things to this impeachment process. The left seems, as I said, to fall into these two categories. The reluctant, there's about 30 or 40 um, people, elected uh, representatives, Democrats, who are uh, were elected in a, a district and a state that was carried, but particularly a district that was carried by Trump in the 2016 election. So if they vote to impeach the president that the people in their district elected, I don't think that'll play well, and I think they know it. So there's the reluctant group. Then there's the people that are just wild-eyed. They're just staggering toward destruction, really, on every issue. They started calling for Donald Trump's impeachment before before he was inaugurated as president of the United States because the people of the United States elected him. So you look, you can only look at this group of people as extremists. But all of this is going to have consequences. It's going to have consequences to those who are elected. They're going to have to go home and face the electorate. It's going to have consequences for our country because it is looking more and more like a sham. I don't know how it will end, but I don't think the Senate would ever vote to remove, and they would have to vote, I think it's a two-thirds vote, to remove the president from the office of the presidency. Nancy Pelosi spent her whole life, while her husband has made hundreds of millions of dollars, they're a very wealthy family, she spent her whole life in D.C. in politics. She knows how it works. She herself is failing, and you see those just physical, personal failures in her speech and, and some of the stupid things she says from time to time. But she's been in politics her whole life. She knows how it works. She has to know that there's a great risk in what she's doing here. She keeps going spiritual on this matter. She keeps saying, oh, I'm praying for Trump. This hurts me more than it's hurting Trump. It's like it's like a parent spanking a child when parents used to spank children and say, honey, I love you, and this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I mean, that's what she's doing. And shes it's so obvious, I can't believe that people are buying the just the insincerity of it all. But some do. But she knows what she's doing, and she's trying to maintain control of the Democratic Party because the far left, the crazies, will push her out of office, and she doesn't want her career to end that way. So I know what she's doing, and she knows what she's doing. But then there's these other two categories of people who fall into the reluctant, and then the ones that are just consumed by hate. But some of the some of the people of the reluctant are starting to talk to the press. This Max Rose, he's a Democrat from New York. Uh, he told CNN yesterday on Sunday, he said, I can't comment on any articles until I've seen them. But that being said, he said, now you know, he told CNN, he said, you know that I came out against impeachment previous to this Ukraine matter, and I do remain very cognizant of that. You can take that as you like. 
but he was saying, "Hey, I'm 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 with my friends in the Democratic you know party, but I'm not with my friends back home because his district didn't did not vote for Hillary." Interestingly enough, others are just remaining silent. They're waiting for the conclusion. Representative uh, Ben McAdams, he's a Democrat from Utah. He's one of the 31 vul- uh, vulnerable Democrats as a result if they vote impeachment, and I think the House will. He's advocating his party to conclude the impeachment matter and move on to more relevant issues. He gave a long speech. I won't put you through that, but I went through it just so I'd know what he said. The, the essence of this long speech was, let's hurry up and get this over with so we can move on and pretend like we're really doing the people's work, which we were elected to do. I mean, that's what he was saying. Recent polling by McLaughlin and Associates, Associates uh, they published it Friday. They show this Representative uh, Anthony Brandisi. He's a Democrat from New York. He's 13 points behind his Republican candidate already. And and that it's trending upward for the, for the Republican. Democrat Majority Whip Jim Clyburn, he's a Democrat from South Carolina. He said last week that he expects to lose some Democrats on impeachment. He said some of them are not going to vote with their party. And he's right. But no one knows for sure how many of these 30 to 40 vulnerable Democrats will split with their party. Last night, the committee chairman, Jerry Nadler, he's leading that. If you turn on your TV, it's all you'll see, well, at least on some of the networks. He told the press last night, he said, if the case that we're, we're making against President Trump went to a real court, he said he would be convicted in about three minutes. <laughs> what if Trump is acqu- acquitted, though? <laughs> then what? It's interesting. Yesterday on NBC's Meet the Press, House Judiciary Committee Chair, Chair Jerry Nadler, same guy, he told NBC's Chuck Todd, yeah, Todd, Todd asked him, a question, and he said, if President Donald Trump was acquitted, he said, do you think we'll have a fair election in 2020? In other words, unless we destroy Trump, we won't have a fair election in 2020. Nadler replied very thoughtfully and very reflectively. He said, I do not know if we will have a fair election. Translated to us ordinary people out here, not the elite in D.C., what Nadler was really saying, if we cannot destroy this president through the impeachment process, he will probably beat us in an election by the people like he did the last time. And we're telling you now, if he wins, it'll be an unfair election. <laughs> that's what he said. I mean, that's what he was saying. There are no real a- accusations. I mean, they're tied to feelings and here and what somebody thought and what somebody overheard and so on. But we'll see how it all shakes out. But I'm hearing now that the Democrats are planning to add treason, this high presidential crime under the Constitution. The Constitution specifically defines treason in Article 3, Section 3, as treason against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Now, the House Judiciary Committee has apparently expanded the definition because there are no charges that even approach what Article 3, Section 3 says in the Constitution. The House Judiciary Committee, they've expanded and they have revised that definition. That's why they always say, well, the Constitution, Barack Obama said it all the time, his appointees to the Supreme Court say it all the time, Sotomayor and those guys. The reason they say it's a living document 
And they say, no, it's not. It wasn't. It isn't locked in time. It doesn't mean what it says. It was written to address the times and it's evolving. It's living so that it will speak to the times of 2019. And 2019 is different than 1776 or 1787 when that was ratified. But they want it to be fluid, just like so many other things. Human sexuality, all of these things, it all falls into this fluid tray where they can then shape it and manipulate it and bend it toward their bias, which is humanistic, secularistic, and sometimes atheistic. So that's what's going on here. So this living document that we call the Constitution, of course it means what they say it means because these are different times. Although the framers did not intend impeachment for good faith disagreement on matters of diplomacy, they're saying, they were explicit that betrayal of the nation through schemes with foreign powers justify that remedy. So if we decide that what they're doing in today's narrative somehow matches up with what the founders, the framers of the Constitution said, then the Constitution says that now, even though it didn't say that before. It's amazing. You know, you just wonder how far off the rails will these guys go? Well, I'll tell you one. Al Green is a Democrat. He's, he's a representative from Texas. He told MSNBC Saturday, I forget which program it was, but I looked at the video. He said, we've, we've got to include the issue of slavery in this impeachment for the president. And that's what caught my, my attention. He said, I think we're moving forward in a very cautious and prudent way, which is expected. But, he said, I think that if we don't include some of the things that are important to the people of color in this impeachment, in other words, we've got to make it multi-issue. You know, multi he said, if we don't include some of the things that are important to the color, then I think that our business won't be finished. In other words, the impeachment isn't worth it unless we can throw slavery and reparations and these kinds of things into this. He continued, he said, I do believe, ma'am, he was talking to a woman on, on CNN. He said, I do believe, uh, or MSNBC, he said, I do believe, ma'am, that we have a deal with the, we have to deal with the original sin. We have to deal with slavery. Slavery was the thing that put all of what President Trump has done. Slavery wasn't the original sin. Disobedience and, and rebellion toward God is the original sin. Slavery is one of many, one of many characteristics of sin. We broke our relationship with God. The Bible is very clear on that. Slavery is not the original sin. One man sinned, and through one man's sin entered the human race, and that therefore all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Boy, these guys like to use the Bible. That really bothers me. Pete Buttigieg is running all over the country, including in Arizona, and he's telling people how God has become more real to him, how God has brought, drawn him closer to himself, to God, through his marriage to this guy, this whatever his name is. That really bothers me. I've spent my life preaching the gospel, and when I see these guys take the gospel and pervert it for their own political ends, it really bothers me, and I hope it bothers you as well. It should. It should bother your pastor enough to mention it once in a while from the pulpit. Well, I have more to say, but I'm out of time. We'll continue. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for standing with us in support. 
Thank you for telling somebody if you think they would be interested or helped by this program. If you know them, tell them it's on. Tell them to check it out. See you tomorrow.